Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhaṁ dhammaṁ saṅghaṁ namasāmi So at the beginning of this retreat, I referred to basic ground, basic empathy, basic clarity. I'm just going to bring in these references to mind to refer to quality of the uh, that comes from the body when one's body is settled as a sense of groundedness. Um, feeling in your body. It also helps you to define a kind of certain sense of space. You're this, you're not that. You've got a reference point. If you're not grounded, then um, uh, the energies get uh, tangled up with the the external sense contact. We get excited, agitated, thrown around, distorted. So, in encouraging that sense of just bringing everything back into the body just even like the ending of the out breath, the ending of the in breath the standing, the walking mm. so I mean the body in this way I'm not talking about the so much about the physical tissues so much as the energy the sense of presence mm-hmm called Kaya Sankara, a bodily dynamic, which is um, a certain... Sankara is both an activity and a kind of form. We might liken it to something like a river, which is both the activity of the water flowing, but it's also a definite shape to it, you know, valley. Without the shape, it's not really a river, it's a lake or an ocean or whatever. So the, the shape, it both, but then the, the, the movement of the water is what gives it the shape, and the shape is what controls the movement of the water. And the sankara is something like this. So we have a continual you know, life force, ayu sankara, which is coming up, and then it's continually informing, forming and informing, a bodily presence. Sometimes it feels warm, sometimes it feels tight, sometimes it feels loose, sometimes it feels up all up the top and nowhere down the bottom. Sometimes when you contemplate it, sometimes it feels it all over on your left side and not your right side, or your hands are on fire, or your head is big and throbbing. Um, so it, it, it does, if you contemplate it, rather than just looking at the visual thing, you can see that you body, in this sense, is quite a dynamic, shifting, changing thing. And you begin to, as you contemplate it, recognize patterns and certain way it's related to to um, one's mind states, one's, one's, one's emotive states, when one feels tense, relaxed, ill, you know, if you're, um, or fearful. Um, happy mm. the two, two go together mm. this, is, this, so this is the this is why this, this quality of Sankara is dynamic it's also resonant um, so that the body picks up the tone of the heart the heart picks up the tone of the body this is a very fundamental principle in Buddhist meditation because it's through steadying the body you steady the heart through brightening the heart you brighten the body 
through practicing loving kindness, you feel bodily well-being. Through uh, keeping precepts, you feel bodily relaxation. So it's particular ethical tones and compassionate tones definitely have an effect upon your home ground. Mm. Without this, one's home ground um, gets very lost and because people, we need to have some home ground, we find our home ground becomes external, becomes a piece of planet Earth, physical territory, or it becomes something more like, um, you know, a situation belong to a group of people, something of this nature, or, or a mood, or, or a pursuit. You know, I, my home ground is, you know, I feel okay when I'm playing with my electric train set. So we have a little toys that we play with. Uh, you know, grown out of electric train sets, we can use other things, you know, pastimes, hobbies, and so forth. We feel comfortable with ourselves. And, um, you know, so this isn't always evil, but it, it's, uh, you realize it's a bit fragile, isn't it? Because of how how um, vulnerable this external territory is, and uh, you know, missing the opportunity that you could actually be at home in your in your in yourself, you know, and then you don't the, the real fulfilment of this uh, this uh, this bodily base, so that one isn't needing and uh, fearing of losing and busying oneself with things that finally uh, are going to go away. You can't have and control. And that's what it turns into if you don't, we don't, when one doesn't have this inner ground, we have to find some territory we can control. You know, a bit of colonialism, which doesn't, you know, can be place, situation, um, Set up works, uh, you, know, you know, status, being in charge of something, having one's patch, somewhere or the other, uh, to give a feeling of, oh, this is where I am and what I'm doing. You know, my basis, I feel confident because I've got this. And people definitely do this, don't they? Human beings, it's kind of from modest little forms of power to gargantuan forms of it, tyrants and um, claim huge areas of the planet and the lives of thousands of people for, you know, which is extremely difficult and ugly and violent, and yet they do it. And so in our lives, this is pretty modest, isn't it? We might have a little, somebody who used to have a, someone who was, who was the, the, had a wood-burning stove called a Tiba, made by this Swiss company called Tiba. And then somebody claimed that as theirs, as their territory. You know, they, they were that kind of Tiba. And nobody else could touch this thing. And their whole life in the monastery focused around monitoring and, being in charge as supervising and poking and sitting beside and doing crosswords beside and making, fending everybody else from this Tiva, from this thing, the Tiva tyrant. Everybody else is allowed to touch it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so the person, I guess, felt quite safe because they, got, they didn't have to think about anything else. They got the little bit. And, and uh, we, we do this. And then you can kind of, sort of, rest of the world, who cares, because I've got my bit, you know. And it's, it's sort of, I think there's something comforting when you can just make it that small and local, you know, to think about all the complexities and whatever, and what people, other people, just focus on your, your wood-burning stove and you're all right, and just deal with that. And people do this kind of thing, don't they? Um, a garden, an allotment, potter away. (laughs) 
it takes quite something to to steady and and in, enter into acknowledge that really the body is alive, intelligent, dynamic. Even just sitting here is a dynamic experience that takes. You know, there's only a meditator who really knows that. And then, first of all, it's not a pleasant dynamic. It's a, it's dull or it's tense or it's this or that. And you, you have to really cultivate it. Mm. And actually, in cultivating, we begin to uh, develop the other two bases. One is base of clarity, which is... <coughs> called the Vajji Sankara, the ability to to clearly define and conceive and articulate and focus. Mm. It's associated with thinking. It's a de- definition. That's got an energy to it. To its dynamic. Because you bring something to mind and your attention sharpens something up and focuses on it and rejects this and affirms that and this kind of thing, just in the very act of of bearing something in mind, it means you you discard and push away other things for this time being. That takes there's a certain energy there that does that. Um, of course, this is also is not in you know not in needs purification because a lot of the time that process of defining and focusing attention is is based on misinformation or motiva- or just motivations of greed, craving, aversion, uh, defense, things like that. So we tend to see and, and, and can think about, you know. And it's quite illuminating when you, you kind of just recognize in, in yourself, what do I actually notice? What does my mind keep coming back to in a day here, for example? What do we naturally, you know, what does our mind keep coming back to? You see, you know, how 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 clear is my clarity? Because we can certainly bring up objects of definition and hold them, um, but then also just starting to recognise, you know, you relate to the third base of empathy, which is more emotive. A lot of these things are really anxiety-based, aren't they? You know, we're thinking about tomorrow and this might happen and figure that out and sort that and make sure that doesn't and what will if... What's the common What's the common mood behind this? Or it might be critical. Well, he never turned up and she won't do this and mainly you can't rely upon them anyway and what's the point? You know, it's kind of negative. Well, what's that? And, uh, you know, when the mind brings these things up, this kind of clarity is convincing, so it all makes sense. You can, it's a conjurer, (coughs) pulling pulling rabbits out of the hat. It's nothing on what the mind can do. And every one of them, yeah, yeah, it's true, I never thought of it like that, you're right. (laughs) <laughs> so you know, clarity is, is there is a basic quality to it that one can there is a sense of doing it but then we also have to recognize you know what's the mood tone in that and this is where the third base the chitta sankara or the ability to detect perception feeling the emotive base has to also to be uh, acknowledged and cultivated, and so. But then we can realise that <coughs> you know when you so you go to the emotive base, and um, again that's something where one can be resonating with, you know, so many so much stuff that the sense of clarity and ground gets lost. Because we can, you can be feeling a mood about yesterday, tomorrow, um, the world, uh, what if, um, you know, so that the, the anxiety or worry or just inability to really get any, any sense of perspective because one can resonate with, 
the, the earthquakes in Turkey, the um, problems in Nicaragua, the you know, there's people dying all the time, um, and so on. There could be a lot of it, and then the, the pot and the thinking mind. We can think of all kinds of things we could and should and ought to, and we can get some emotional resonance off that. So you get this. So also, then we need to say, well, let's get you know get the basic ground there because we do need to to uh, to get a sense of um, limitation to to purify. So our empathy isn't isn't something that's that's unprotected. It needs a way holding in a careful way so that it is is free of the the, the the disturbances of of anxiety or confusion, worry, doubt, fear, aversion, mm. these emotive tones. So it's all three together really is is a cultivation. One focuses on one's <coughs> one feels one an emotive experience, just try to sense how it is in the body, define it clearly in <coughs> the mind. The thinking mind, what is this? Hmm. And then how does it fit in the body? When you're hearing your thoughts going, what's the mood behind that thought? What's the general mood? And So to ask how it feels. to make a, quite a point about doing this process of <coughs> cultivating it in the body because um, the body is less reactive, less proliferative. You know, thinking mind in, a, in an instant can conjure up a huge range of possibilities. So when we're cultivating it in the body, it doesn't mean we're becoming uh, unresponsive, but the importance of, of approaching the body for itself from a kind of an emotive, empathic base. And sometimes this sense gets lost because we, we miss that out of the, of the, the um, blend of how one should meditate, you know, Because if probably uh, when you begin to meditate, the first thing is some sense of clarity. You get get some definition. You know, focus on this particular point. That's very much that's the that's the clarity aspect, isn't it? That's that articulation. That's that defining aspect. And uh, so, yeah, there's a point there. But also, we can recognise you know, that probably that that clarity itself is not really pure. It can be um, tight, um, um, not really very resonant, forceful, uh, but distracted. And just focusing on the particular sensations with, without any sense of, of um, you know, Picking it up or feeling how how you're doing it, It'd be obstructive because we start to imprint certain um, wrong views and attitudes onto onto our experience. You know the wrong the wrong views and attitudes that are in the heart and in the in the whole system. So. So counteracting that with something like uh, using term like listening to the to the bodily sense, or feeling or touching the body sense, 
which is perhaps different from watching it, which is much more up in the in the head, which is about um, watching is much more about clear definition. When you talk about listening, it's a little bit more receptive. Touching it is very receptive thing. And the basis actually of, of like uh, mindfulness of breathing is, is a touching experience. The word watching is never used in mindfulness of breathing. There's no instruction to watch the breath. And you know the fact that that is a very common way of experiencing explaining mindfulness of breathing to my mind does explain why many people find it so boring and hard <laughs> you know or something you do with a kind of forced attitude like get those breathe in out in out count the breath get back to it cut it out stop distracting you know so you get a kind of militaristic style to it because that is all there's nothing about empathy with that is there it's just all sense of of um drive and purpose. But when you recognize the Buddha is just saying be thoroughly aware, fully aware, and then thoroughly sensitive to, and then soothing and calming, those are, those are not definition terms, are they? When he doesn't even mention focusing on a particular point in the body, but just sense your breathing, that's not, that's not a high degree of, it's certainly some definition, you know, get in the body, feel that rhythm moving, but it's not making a big thing out of it, um, you know, in terms of, of um, you know, localizing it or sharpening it, but just receiving it. And it's it's the body in the body is the is the expression used with the foundation of mind of, of the body, because when you really consider it, the sense of touch itself is is very um, particular uh, particular sense unlike the other senses you know, when you can you know the, the quality of the the touch tactile sense space is one very striking and significant <coughs> feature to it <coughs> which the others don't have which is that when you touch something, it touches you. It's, it's automatically empathic. You can't touch something without it touching you. You can look at something without it seeing you. You can hear something without being heard. But you can't touch something without being touched. Mm-hmm. And you, you, know, you really can reflect on how um, the, the tactile sense in our daily lives is... is um, not that not that developed. We look, we think, we may hear. Most of we think and look are the two bases that we use a lot. And touch things. How many people actually touch each other? You know, ooh, some feeling of that's quite um, could be quite an issue, couldn't it? You know, limp handshake, and that's about it. Okay, you can slap on the back. People feel a bit funny about being physically touched because it's a sort of quality of intimacy that we may not feel ready for or comfortable with. And, you know, that's saying something, isn't it, about how we sense other people. You know, as fundamentally, you know, something one should be quite guarded about. And, of course, there are, unfortunately, the way the world is, there are very... (laughs) Good reasons for that, you know. But so because of that loss of trust and loss of of value and loss of safety, we tend to lose the tactile realm. This is not your kids; you do, but then you you know after you grow out of it, it's no longer proper or safe or comfortable or okay. Um. So we we almost lose the tactile base, and so so using it, uh, it when we meditate, we may not really have much experience of that of feeling feeling how the feeling the physical feelings. Then what comes along with it is also 
a certain loss of boundary. You know, it's intimate. It's it's open. There's no there's no boundary there. You're being touched, and if, you know this is being done with your own breath. If you can't trust your own breath, breathing, um, this is problematic. I admit that it's, one can have justifiable reservations about having other people touch, but your own breathing ought to be able to touch you, shouldn't it? <laughs> So the sense of that awkwardness or or numbness that can accompany the the tactile consciousness, then you know it can actually infect our own way of feeling to our own bodies. We don't know how to do it anymore, and because it's because it's it's empathic and sensitive and the the sort of the the sense of distance isn't there, you're in it, then it tends to also open up certain heart qualities, tenderness or lack of it. You you begin to feel a bit more emotional, maybe. You know, in in a not necessarily developed way, but a a feeling of of, um, vulnerability or, you know, having no, being a bit delicate. Um, or or we come into certain negative effects in the emotional in the emotional field. We feel tense or frightened or dull or you know, these kinds of senses come up when we're just actually sitting there in the body. And the basic strategy of purifying the emotive base, chitta, through through the body, through internal touching, you know, is just what touch can do. It can be just a kindly soothing, stroking, or just a gentle holding reassurance quality. Hmm. By and large, in Buddhist meditation, you start off by something that lifts the heart into a positive state or or an ample state or an abundant state. And then from that place, you then, you know, ground it into your meditation theme and you use the amplified or the positive or the free or the rich however there is energy there to then purify the the fearful or the dark or the tight or the resistant or the dull or whatever it is and you, you don't do this some act of will you just by placing one onto the other it's rather like the way you might calm someone down just by holding them. You know, you don't say, shut up, calm down, calm down, calm down. Shake them around, calm You just actually put your hand on their shoulder and just let feel that. And say, it's all right, how are you? Okay, how is it? Okay. You don't try to make them change. You just basically bring forth that particular resonance and they pick it up. So this is the way that we develop this in our own our own inner field. You know, you don't try to make yourself nicer or gentler or calmer from I mean, this is your general aim, but the way to do that is just to bring that kind of energy to bear to to you know and so first of all you have to find some way in which you can access that that sense. You know? Um now we might begin with things like uh, reflections on the Buddha or refuge, taking refuge. So you feel, well, you feel welcome, you feel safe, you feel befriended, you, know. you feel you're allowed to be here, you, know, you, can, you don't have to prove something. 
be that good. You know, there is a there is a kind of hostly aspect to the refuge. Please come in, make yourself comfortable. You know? And taking that in is kind of visualizing it or bringing it to mind. We might then need to cultivate or wish to cultivate the Brahma-vihara, things like kindness and compassion towards oneself and towards others, whichever is the easiest, because they both, either of them, whichever you develop, will tend to give rise to the, the general mood, you just try to pick up a particular tune, if you like, a particular resonance. Um, but essentially, you know, this is naturally quite illuminating because you begin to see that just as you, you don't practice kindness towards other people, then, you know, your own mind is in that state of, of not, you know, not benevolent. And then how's, how's that mind going to relate to you? <laughs> You know, how's it going to relate to your own difficult places, your own estranged places, your own orphaned voices? How's it going to relate to those if it can't relate to them externally? How's it going to relate to them internally? You know, it doesn't know how to do it. It just tries to control them or shut them up or make them go away or think of something else. It doesn't actually, you know, listen to them or calm them. You know. So externally, and it, you know, it is a way, obviously it can produce and helps to make their life situation externally that which is going to be more conducive to a general sense of trust and ease and you know, lack of hostility and a feeling of, of um, um, <coughs> worth and value. That's the, and then also we're going to get the... F- feedback, you know, where our own mind starts to operate, um, you know, our heart starts to operate towards ourselves. If you practice loving kindness towards yourself, then you begin to, it's the same thing really, you know, you can see these um, ugly things and these silly things and these restless things and these misfitting things and these, uh, you develop a lot of um, um, emotion, emotional space around that empathy, which means basically, bottom line of it is that we don't come, we don't get into um, aversion or punishment. Um, so, the absence of aversion is called metta. The absence of punishment and cruelty is called karuna, roughly translated loving kindness and compassion. So these are very important bases to to develop. Hmm. Partly because we <coughs> We kind of um, given up on them as being really that significant. Or not know how to do it. The heart can be so um, tight and or shut off in itself that we don't get you don't get that going very easily. We might think it means you've got to be nice to everybody. Or that you should be have a sweet temperament. Or you should, you know, heal the sick or something of this nature. It's got to be some kind of action that can be seen. But it's more like just when you're practicing, it's a sense of the non-aversion. 
and the non-cruelty, the non-harshness in the present moment to what what you're experiencing. So, not saying that external activity is insignificant, but you can also find that if you're getting it right to where the mind is, you're dealing with something very accurate and intimate. It can go astray if you just adopt it as an ideology. So I remember the case of we had a um, Church of England vicar who stayed here it was about six months or so, he stayed in the monastery. And so his in his religious duties as he he was have, he was having a break because he was having a really hard time. Um actually on the edge of a nervous breakdown, this man, because he'd um, had his parish, you see, and he always had to go out and be cheerful to everybody. And uh, he didn't always feel that good himself, but he wasn't allowed to not feel good, because that he had to go out and be good to people. So if he didn't feel that good, he just had to sort of push that aside, because that was almost like a disloyalty to, to the to the church to not feel good <laughs> you know, or he shouldn't even think about himself he should just serve and have faith and love so he'd go around doing his bit and something in wasn't obviously wasn't getting nourishment because uh, you know, like with those you get this compassion fatigue when just you actually just run out of energy on it but he, but he couldn't allow himself to run out of energy because that was a loss of faith and sincerity in that particular way of thinking. So he'd have to come up with some more. But then as he came up with, with, came up with more cheerfulness, obviously something underneath him started to get resentful of having to do all this and tired and insincere. But then he couldn't, that, that was, he couldn't allow that experience because he had to be faithful and loving all the time. And then when he asked if he could have a break, they said, no, no, you've got to keep, the church needs you. So they wouldn't give him any time off either. <laughs> Uh, so and he had it. I think he, his, you know, had trouble with his his marriage failed. So, so that was another disaster, and he couldn't wasn't allowed to feel bad about that either. So when he came, he he it was really a, quite a wreck, and he had got a kind of nervous tick. He used to tick this kind of nervous twitch he'd got because he was just so exhausted with trying to be nice. And, you know, it's a, it was great because here he didn't have to be nice. Nobody was nice. We all just were gruff and grumpy and whatever we were, you know. It wasn't a big thing. And that was kind of kind, actually. <laughs> it was very allowing. It wasn't ideologically loving, but it was pragmatically <laughs> kindly. He, he made the doors in the front of the house for us and, the, and then after about six months or so being here they finally let him retire he just couldn't he couldn't go back to his duties he just finished couldn't do it so they put him in a retirement home for broken 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 down vicars <laughs> it's quite Quite salutary, really. We have the broken down bhikkhus, the broken down abbots, you know. Take well out to pasture somewhere where they don't have to think about anybody or concern themselves. <laughs> Just smoke a pipe and collect stamps. So, though, you know, it's not the one, I'm not saying the one shouldn't be nice to anybody, but really trying to recognize <coughs> the, the immediacy of it. And really, you know, do we really, do, what do people actually need? Actually, I don't really always need someone to be that cheerful and wonderful and great for me. Someone just need to be people just to be there. I don't actually ask people to be smiling and cheerful and happy and how are you and have a bunch of flowers and so forth. 
you know, that, that if that's, I don't ask for that. I don't, it doesn't always, be, isn't what I need. It's probably just need someone I can be miserable with. <laughs> Who doesn't mind, you know, isn't going to get upset about it. That's what I, I said, that's a quite loving kindness, I call that. Because <laughs> it actually, you know, in terms of the, the, the pragmatic effect, oh, that feels better, you know, oh, right, now, sort of centered again. Yeah. So when you actually you're trying to understand uh, resonance and empathy and, you know, actual <coughs> relationship with the, the heart in, in a very imminent, intimate way rather than from an ideological position. What will stop me beating myself up? I mean, what will stop me driving myself into the ground? What will stop me um, feeling I've, you know, this, that and the other? And sometimes it's just the acknowledgement of, of that. And, you know, so that's what you want to do? Fine, but does that feel good? You don't have to do it. All oh, right. Because, uh, you know, what can happen when one loses the empathic sense of which to help to navigate with, when you're not asked or called upon to remember how are you with this, is that we tend so easily in, in, in our lives, we go into the function. And then it's always do more, do the best, do the most. <clears throat> or you can't do it. Um, this loss of empathy, this loss of ground, we we become prey to this t- tyrannical form of the inner tyrant. Sometimes the inner tyrant seems to be external, sometimes we see it's externally, sometimes we see it internally. When it's external, it becomes, it must be, they want me to. It's always that way, you know. It becomes something out there that's locked and final and solid and is not is not on my side, you know. It's something I've got to. I'm subject to. I'm its subject, and it demands, and all it wants is for me to do something for it, and it's not going to give anything back. So we can actually see that or experience that externally. We may have learned to do that. We may actually feel in a strange way, comfortable with that, because you know the strategy, you know, do your bit, uh, keep your head down, do your bit, find some time when you can get out of it to be a bit more free and enjoy yourself, Um, and then you get back to work, you know, on time, and and you kind of, you you soldier up, basically. This is, uh, so I've noticed in myself, it's a kind of soldiering thing, where something in the body kind of shuts down, it's like you put your armor on and your helmet on, and you just keep going. <clears throat> and you don't ask how it, how it feels, or you, it's not a relevant question. It's not time for that. It's not important right now. So you just do it, do your thing. Um, and there's a kind of sense of well, I know this one. I know this this strategy. I know how to do this one. Hmm. Uh, but. In doing that, because one does lose that sense of feeling out, you actually think it's coming from out there. You know, so you think it's out external. It's where, it's where the tyrant is. You think it's something around you. You think it's the monastery or the precepts or the routines or me, who's saying you've got to do this. You know. You must be this way, you've got to do this, da 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 da. And the mind could probably pick up those, anything that would support that. How does that feel? Admittedly, some of these, these are in the air, you know, they're all, we've all got those, we can all tune in on that level, we can say those things and act in those ways. Sometimes it's not always so easy to see, but some of it's external. But a lot of it is just what our own, you know, internally or externally, where this tyrant form occurs and the effect on it. 
particular body effect is a certain closing of the body, which leads to stiffness, um, lack of lack of uh, dynamism in it. They become either dull or rigid or tight. The meditation becomes very much hard work. But then the, the the soldier, the tyrant form, can only respond to that with, "Well, just stick with it," or "Don't weaken," or "Well, you can't do it anyway." You know. You can only say those unsympathetic messages, because that's the only language that ty- the tyrant speaks. He only speaks that language. He doesn't say, "Well, how are you feeling now?" Or, "Well, um, what, you know, why don't you stand and do some walking?" Or, or just actually inquire into the quality of the feeling of, of how you regard yourself. Perhaps it's too too shocking to see the lack of love we hold for ourselves. It can be too itself too too. Um, Bad, too too difficult to see. So I don't, I don't think don't think about it. Do this because all that the more in more entrenched that is, correspondingly, along with that, there is a, a sense of the, the loss of natural empathy, natural benevolence is lost. We can only do it as an act of the will. We don't feel it, and there's something so dreadfully sad about that for a for a human system that once you start to touch into how um, unloving one can be towards oneself, it is is so itself. That recognition is so ghastly, so desolate that uh, one doesn't want to know that. So that's what can happen. And uh, the, you know, in a way that the kind of graduated thing is, is starting to, to um, touch into some of this desolate stuff gently, a little bit of time, and then using it coming into the body, because if you, sometimes if you open up too much of that emotional material, it's so powerful. If there's a lot of that um, negative, uh, desolate, abandoned state, that you can't, one can't cope with it, one can't process it, you just feel capsized by it all. So, you know, people sometimes just blow up on retreats or collapse, um, just because a sudden door opens and the recognition of of uh, this inner barrenness or desolation or hardness towards themselves is, is too overwhelming. So, but then the you know we need to in, t- in entering this kind of area. Here's the body breathing in, breathing out. Just be with that. If you can't be with that, just be in your body. Just stand, just walk, feel the rhythm of it. That's all right. Allow the allow the the feeling to be what it is, because it, it often just needs that sense of empathic space. Um, is what's really the medicine of it, and without adding too much to it. You know, maybe just a kind of a sense of be well or taking a moment at a time, but really not trying to fix it because it, it just needs this kind of empathic space. Empathy doesn't do anything. That's not the function of empathy, it's just to feel it. You feel that in a, in a way where it can be held and held into the body, that is the healing of it. Of course, the inner, the inner tyrant is, can be something that is very much internalized rather than we can see it outside us, inside, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we define and judge and measure ourselves. Um, this kind of, you hear this voice, uh, voice of Mara, which is complaining, fault-finding, um, uh, so on.
and listen to the tone of the thinking mind. The, the topics will always seem quite clear and true, and listen to the tone of it, the, the nagging, the bullying, the fearful. Whether that's and then what we can, how we respond to that. Particularly, particular words uh, carry this. Like you mean words like never, for example, you never, they never, he never, it never. What's that? What does that feel like? And you say, what does never? The word never. <laughs> you know, it's like the doors have closed, haven't they? Clong on possibility, on change, or impermanence, on awakening, it's just, this is it, sign, seal, deliver, never. Or always is another one. You'll always be, it's never, and you're always, and they always, and you can't, and this, and oh, goodness. You can, you know, you feel a tone of it, and think, oh, it's so miserable. So when we, the, I find these useful to contemplate these verbal formations. You know, when I'm either saying external or internally, you know, feel my sort of going a little bit tyrannical, and and I don't know what's happening. And the body sort of tightening up. What's that? No, it's just anxiety. So, <clears throat> if it's anxious, then you just tighten up and and uh, push through. Anxiety is a is a very uh, powerful and common experience for people. And in a, this life, when there's so much change and and uh, unpredictability to it, even in a fairly docile and formed situation such as this, there's, you know, change is is actually the law. Externally, things shift around, but internally, things are shifting all the time. Um, and and there is life based upon uh, things just happening. You know, we that's the idea of it. My mendicant, you just live on what turns up. On well, donations, the food, people turning up, you know, the hap chance, the good fortune, that's the idea of it, is to be that sort of insecure. So you, because you're insecure and, un, you know, and not that controlled, then you, you kind of can allow the universe to breathe you. You know, you're not like some rigid sphincter. <laughs> it's locked. It's supposed to be kind of able to breathe in and breathe out. The good times, the bad times, and so you just kind of breathe in. You let the universe breathe you. Um, and then you, you lose your fear then, because you see, well, this wasn't so good, but it was all right. You know, I felt a bit wobbly and worried about that, but, you know, there we go. You, you see, you survive. You, you survive in the universe. You don't recognise that if it's always the good stuff, because you, you know what I mean. If it's only survival, everybody can survive on the good stuff. It's only through recognising that when things go down, there's something that's all right. That you say, "Yeah, well, then you lose your fear." That's the way it works. You don't. So, so like after a while, you know, even kind of reassurance and things being all right isn't actually the kindest thing. It's better to let it go a bit wonky. You can feel yourself wobble. But you're all right, you're all right, okay? And it's like learning how to fly. You have to make those fluttery little movements and probably, you know, hit the ground a few times. You've got to get out of the nest, don't you?
So there is a way in which, you know, we can realize is, is, you know, the, the value of coming out of what's easy or comfortable or easygoing or so forth is because, yeah, 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 but it's great, you know, but, but easy isn't always the best, is it? I don't want to have to live where it's always easy in my way and comfortable and, you know, I don't want to get you know, weakened by that. Mind you, there's not a lot of chance, really. <laughs> I could do with being a bit weakened. <laughs> so, I'm just saying this, I'm going off to sit around on the beach in South Africa and Mark, what a hypocrite. <laughs> well, that's because I've let the universe breathe me. You know, I didn't, don't set these things up. I don't ask for these things. They just feel offer these, so you, you know what I mean? And uh, so I always keep it in mind, every, every think of anything like this, think, but what if it doesn't happen? I think it's okay. Think, yeah, it's okay. Then it's really nice. There's nothing, you know, you feel you've, you've manipulated or wheedled or kind of stashed, you know, you just turns up, that's what the, that's what the wind blew in, fine, I don't see why I should have to be you know, reject the benevolence of the universe in order to be really, you know, hard-edged and uh, crusading all the time. So it's one that, but then also we, sometimes it's not that easy. And uh, also I feel that there's something in me wants to you know, find those edges where I don't want to bother, you know, I want to get a bit selfish, look after my stuff and so forth. And then, no, I don't want that. Part of me does, but then that's not the awakening bit. So then that sense of just coming into some of the discomfort or the, the awkward or the embarrassed Social contact can be quite embarrassing and awkward, can't it? I mean, I don't always know what to say, feel a bit nervous. So in this little domain, then it's all all right, you know, here I am, big shot, and so forth, people bowing at me and sitting up on a chair. But then it's quite nice when we go out, when I go to other places where just some weird looking guy, transvestite of some kind. <laughs> People eye you up and, you know, call you names and things. And I quite appreciate that, sort of the other side of it. <laughs> I remember when I was in, was in Providence, was it Provident, Providence, New England? And uh, I think it was in this, it was in this poor part of town, and uh, these black guys came by and just beat up, beat up car, and just tucked their head out of the window and said, "Hey, man, you guys is just plain ugly." He's <laughs> 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 <It was> ugly. <laughs> Okay, and then you you know as they say, watch your mind. Um, but then sometimes it's quite frightening to you know go out looking like this down the street and rough part of town. I'm quite okay with that in a way. Just to practice with it. So you can kind of extend that sense of may I be well, just you know, carrying carrying that with you. You feel the fear or the tightening up, and just 
you can't ask other people to be that way kind, but you can, you know, you can ask whether you get it or not, it's another thing. But you can, you know, get your your own sense of doing that. And when your your body starts to relax and be fearless and your mind relaxes, then you find actually that people tend to pick that up and don't, and feel relaxed and, and um, people actually want to be empathic. Uh, so sometimes actually people go a bit strange towards me because they're, they're frightened of me. You know, I'm embarrassing or awkward, I'm some kind of religious fanatic is going to start preaching at them or flogging them incense or something or asking for a donation or telling the end of the world is nigh. <laughs> so they're frightened, so edgy, so they frighten me, so I'm frightened and edgy and they end up defending each other from our own fear. <laughs> Hmm. We can think about in this in the community. Well, you know, people who don't push my buttons or don't wind me up or whatever. Hmm. Is this really going to be a refuge for me? Of course, it's a gradual thing, so we all need to find that the ability to to feel uh, our, our own comfort and well-being and enhance that, and then you you keep extending it through through holding it in those territories where you feel a bit anxious or or um, fearful, which is the, the fundamental source of 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 the violence and the um, harshness or the intolerance people feel unsafe they feel some sense of anxiety or fear very very basic thing why should we be hostile otherwise if we weren't trying to defend ourselves Mm. so you actually kind of reviewing and moving into that and you need to find the ground where this is yours, you know. You have your own place which you don't need to defend, you're not gonna lose. It's your own breathing body. The sense of that. And then that enables one to be empathic because the the, the pressure's off to to resist. But really, you know, touch in there with it. If, if you find breathing difficult, just try to feel the heat or the flows or the tingles in the body. When you do walking meditation, just feeling it. And the attitude towards it is one of, well, how is that? Mm. How is that? Rather than trying to make it be something or even get that concentrated. Concentration will, will naturally occur as the these agitations and distractions get cleaned away. So you maintain another basic focus, walking, standing, see the posture, you know, the pressures, the elements of the body or the breathing of the body, just holding that and then the letting the the other aspects, the clarity and the empathy, clean away the distractions and there's a settling, there's concentration comes like that. So tonight is the the full moon no new moon new moon vigil and <laughs> So we're using this uh, occasion for the traditional observance of the all-night meditation till four in the morning, drink uh, refreshments at midnight. So this is an occasion to practice with. 
and just be aware of how you regard something. This is something get the tyrant saying you've got to do this no matter what. Or does it mean I don't have to do this no matter what? Both of those are wrong. Because <laughs> when it's, you know, it's not a, it's not coming from that that place of from that place. It's like, how is it with you right now? How does that suggestion feel? Can you work with that? What's why 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 is this around? Why do we do these things? What's it about? It's about extending and maybe coming into some edgy stuff and then as I say the make the effort with friendliness is the theme mm. anyone hey,